You are listening to Get Real Podcast. Two things that I like to do, Dan, besides drink coffee and cheeseburgers, <laughs> cheeseburgers, is I love to share the gospel mm-hmm. and I love to share good music. Mm-hmm. And really, a lot of people have probably been wondering, well, why do you guys share all this music on the Get Real Podcast? And we go from one week from sharing really heavy doctrine from the Bible, <laughs> and then we go to... Yeah, a metal, metal band or a punk we, band. Okay, we have to disclose. Both of us were dropped on our heads as children, <laughs> babies. And um, it had an effect. Had a huge effect. It made us love great music. It does. But really, for me, this is an ability to share things that people might not be aware of. A lot of the bands and the musicians that we've interviewed, a lot of people don't know about them. And they've all been they've been golden. And it's been fun to go out and find people to bring onto the podcast to interview. But it's always a privilege when we get somebody that reaches out to us and says, hey, uh, we want to be on the Get Real podcast. We want you to interview us. And today's guest is from a band who has reached out to us. Today, we have the privilege of interviewing Eric Matson from Orange County, California. California. I actually lived there for three months. And I work there. So Orange County, that would be what? Santa Ana, Costa Mesa. Is Newport in Orange County? Yeah, Newport Beach, Laguna Beach. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Huntington Beach. Nice. Yeah, good surfing up in there. But uh, Glenn, you know more details. Yeah, Eric is with the band Good Luck Ugly. And Eric, can you tell us a little bit about your style? Yeah, so Good Luck Ugly is kind of a uh, pop punk ska style Um kind of has a 90s classic vibe to it. A lot of our influences are, you know, like Rancid or Operation Ivy, uh, Real Big Fish, the Aquabats, uh, but still a little bit of Blink-182 and Green Day. So kind of a classic pop-punk ska style with a 90s vibe. I like the name of the band. Good Luck Ugly. It's got a little bit of sass in it. Didn't one of your ex-girlfriends say that as she drove away? Let's not bring that uh, up. Oh, please. I'm going to go sulk now over in the corner here. <laughs> I got Eric, it's kind of a tradition. I can't come in the fishbowl without like razzing. Just giving me a real hard no, time. No, it's the fun, especially if you're like having a stressful week. <laughs> That's cool, though. I love punk. I'm probably more on the punk side uh, than Glenn is. I know you appreciate it. Oh, I really, I really do appreciate it. I was it, yeah. a skater, surfer, like. You know, and I, I've just, I really love, uh, I like pop punk. I like all sorts of punk. Can you tell us about the name of the band? Um, yeah, so Mike uh, Alvarez, our guitarist, vocalist, came up with the name. He was saying that, you know, back in the day, he, uh, the idea of being told something similar uh, to that his whole life. So he eventually turned it into a band name to kind of empower the underdog Um he always kind of felt like a nerd, and he had some rough times as a kid, and so the name kind of made sense. Um, he kind of asked himself, you know, how do I turn a negative into a positive? So we wanted to take something that he kind of heard as a kid and make it the name of the band to, you know, kind of put a spin on it and basically say, you know, I'm still going to be happy and have a good life regardless of your opinion. Um, but he also says, you know what, maybe it's just a stupid name he came up with. That's kind of cool. I like it because it's resilient. And a lot of times, especially with the punk genre, it cuts through artificiality and cuts to the chase. It's kind of kind of get realish, Leonard. It is get real. And that's why we why we have them on today. 
You've been playing drums for a long time. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How long have you been playing drums and who are some of your percussion influences? Yeah, I actually started playing back in 1995 in high school. Um, I had a couple buddies that were into music and played bass and guitar and they were looking to form a band and um, looking for a drummer. So I said, hey, I'll buy a drum set. And I kind of uh, reached out to a couple guys at my high school that also played. One of my buddies, Mike McNamara, from the band uh, 1208 on Epitaph Records, uh, was taking drum lessons at the time. So after his drum lesson, I'd go over to his house. He would teach me what he um, learned at that particular lesson. And uh, I also learned a little bit from uh, a guy named Justice Gomatico from my high school. He was the drummer for the band Bloodshed who was on Tooth & Nail Records, which was a big uh, uh, Christian label at the time, and uh, also a guy named Russ Castillo from the Christian punk band Dogwood. I would pretty much go to all their shows and videotape Russ playing, take the tape back, and now we're talking VHS here, <laughs> put it in the VCR and watch it and pretty much try to play along to what he did. So between Mike, Justice, and Russ, those were probably my uh, three big early influences at the time in regards to uh, learning how to play drums. Now, with the VHS tape, was that the big one, or was that the more cool, smaller VHS-C tape that you put in the adapter, the smaller one? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, not the VHS-C. This is the big one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our listeners are probably like, VH what? VH, they've right. not, never heard of that. Uh, Eric, <laughs> as soon as you like got your drum kit and you started playing, were you just like, oh, this is me? Like, you you knew that this is my instrument, like, I, I, guitars... Are okay, but you. I, I've seen people do that. Like they get on a drum set and they were like, "I was born for this." Did you feel kind of that click? Yeah, you know what? When I've picked up a guitar and a bass guitar before, and you know everything is so tight and intricate with the fingers, I liked kind of the freedom with the drum set. You know, as far as you know, the wide range of movement on it, and um, it, there's kind of a more physical aspect to it as regards to hitting something. Um, so I just kind of meshed well with that the intricacies of the guitar and bass just wasn't for me so I yeah the you. drums really really stuck yeah that's cool I, i've seen people you know a kid's got a relative high degree of angst and maybe gets a little too much mountain dew and then he goes all animal muppet you know on the whole set <laughs> and then there's no pulling him back it's all over from that point right now it's not unusual today for musicians to be part of several bands some people drum in one band and then the next day uh, they're drumming with another band or playing another instrument. Our friend Ryman with Armor of God does that. He's in several music projects. It's not unusual for that to happen. And Eric is in the same situation. You're also with another band called Makeshift 3. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, so <clears throat> Makeshift 3 started back in 1995, pretty much when I started playing drums. Um, we uh, started off as a secular band. The style was kind of a black flag, a gutter mouth, like a 80s kind of old school type of punk sound. And um, we uh, released our debut album in 1996. And the, the uh, band name Makeshift came from just having like broomsticks as mic stands and stuff. So a lot of the equipment was just Makeshift. And um, the uh, original singer bass player at the time, Ryan, Went away to college, so we recruited my cousin Ty, who had a pretty extensive piano uh, background, and he fit right in on bass and did some backup vocals. 
And then in 97, we caught the attention of Al Contreras from Pious Records, who sent us into Double Time Studios down in San Diego, where um, we worked with Jeff Forrest, who recorded with uh, Blink-182 at the time. And we released an EP called Mission Possible, which in return caught the attention of Carrie Fairfield, who um, used to work for Brandon Abel and Tooth and Nail Records. So she ended up becoming our manager at the time. Okay. And we'll, yeah, when we went to register the band, Makeshift was taken, so we had to add the three due to uh, legal reasons, kind of like how Blink had to add the uh, 182. Wow, so th then, now we know how the three got there. Well, that's how <laughs> right. Get Real 454 happened. <laughs> yeah, we picked the three. Um, there were three band members. There's the Trinity. There's multiple meanings, and it was quick and simple. Oh, I like and, that. And um, we ended up uh, started playing shows with uh, Sago 24-7, who are now uh, Amberlin. Oh, and really? Then, yeah. So oh, wow. This was back when, yeah, so, you know, back when they were just up and coming, and then... Uh, in 98, we started playing shows with Dogwood and Project 86 um, because we were really involved in kind of the Christian youth group uh, music scene back then. And we ended up hiring uh, Jimmy Fontaine, who um, he does photography for Corn and, you know, Panic at the Disco, 21 Pilots, uh, Good Charlotte, Ed Sheeran. So he was also one of our high school buddies and up and coming at the time, but we got a lot of great photos from him. Yeah, started playing at a lot of the mega churches like Mariner's Church over here in Newport Beach and Church at the Rocky Peak up in Chatsworth. Um, I remember a church out in Washington flew us out to play a skate demo. So in your music, there's definitely Christian themes in the lyrics. And one of the things that I appreciate about the lyrics is that it's not the cliche that you hear in modern Christian music today. It's not the same thing over and over again. It's more of your worldview, a Christian worldview that's being presented in your lyrics. Can you tell us a little bit about your band's lyrics? Yeah, so with Makeshift 3, the lyrics were pretty, like, in-your-face Christian. Um, a lot of the song titles, I mean, there was one, Church Boy, King of Kings, uh, Rising Sun, S-O-N, uh, Darkest Night of the Soul, Angel's Wings. So with Makeshift 3, a lot of it was very in-your-face, very blatant. And it was, you know, clearly Christian content. But with Good Luck Ugly, I think we've learned that um, if things are a little too in your face, you might push people away. Um, with Good Luck Ugly, we're trying to meet, you know, both the Christian and the secular crowd. And so we're being a little bit more subtle about it instead of, you know, being very blatant. So we don't take the risk of um, turning away certain listeners and instead trying to attract them. Your music still has an impact uh, when you listen to it. It's very clear where you're coming from. And it's just refreshing to hear because there's this mantra today and this thought that, well, if it's going to be a Christian song, you have to quote Bible verses in every, every verse of the song. And it has to be a certain way. It has to meet the corporate formula to be safe. And it's just as powerful for a song to be presented just from a, a Christian worldview, the way that you view things. And I love what you put on your album, uh, Side Hugs and Backstabs, uh, punk rock that your parents will love. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that that's really cool. I, I'll never forget, like, uh, right after I got saved, I was a teenager and, and heavy into <laughs> skateboarding, all that stuff. 
And I remember I got into a lot of Christian punk and I'm probably quite a bit older than you, Eric. I'm not sure. But um, it, when I used to listen to a lot of it, I remember my mom, I could barely listen to the radio. I wasn't, it was pretty tight. That is know? tight. And when I started listening to metal and then there was this mixture in, in that day, mid eighties of like thrash, it was kind of like punk and metal. You know, I don't know genres that well, but it was a lot of it mixed together. So I would listen to a lot of it and I really enjoyed the freshness. Like we were saying, it just kind of cut through the the crud, you know? And, um, and my mom, I can remember being really kind of concerned. And then she read through the lyrics. She was like, this is really powerful. You know, I was like, yeah, it is. It's people that used to be really bound, but got set free and they are, they're reaching out through the genre that represents kind of their vibe. You know, it's cool. Eric, who are some of the artists and bands that have influenced you personally? Right. So yeah, as far as the influences, I think I've always kind of been rooted in, in listening to Christian bands, um, with genres that I like. So like, for example, you know, I listen to a lot of Project 86, uh, Dogwood POD, you know, all bands that are either from Orange County or San Diego or LA around here. And it definitely kind of helped me look for other similar Christian bands. You know, it led me to like As I Lay Dying or August Burns Red. Growing up in the, kind of the 80s and 90s when there wasn't really a popular Christian music scene, it was always kind of like you guys said, it was always kind of hard to find stuff to bring home that your parents would approve of. Can you share with us some examples of the positive influence your music has had? So I think being a Christian band, um, you know, and living the Christian lifestyle, you know, especially after shows, a lot of the kids want to come up and talk. And in the secular scene, I think a lot of artists and musicians are tempted to just leave, go back to the hotel, get on the tour bus, take off. With us, we really focus on staying after the shows and talking to the kids, answering questions. I think um, kids in these youth groups are really influenced and looked up to Christian artists, so I find it a, you know, a great opportunity to be a role model for the kids in these youth groups and young adults. I do think it can be challenging, though, because, you know, when you have a long line of kids that are asking questions, it can be challenging to kind of break up your time and balance it out because you don't want to be rude to someone and, you know, kind of cut them off and move on to the next person. So I think it, it can be challenging to balance your time in order to um, be able to talk to everyone after a show. It's amazing because... I think sometimes we underestimate the amount of ministry that can come along with just human kindness. Yeah. All of a sudden, kids from a broken home, nobody, you know, latchkey kid, whatever, maybe abused. And then all of a sudden, a cool guy with a band that's a good drummer all of a sudden takes the time to kindly minister to them. That can be so powerful. It is, especially youth. They look up to the people that they see on a stage. You're absolutely right with what you were saying, Eric. You're a role model in that situation. And one of the things that I'm finding, especially today, is that a lot of youth, their interaction with their parents, their family, it's minimal. They're looking for a father figure. They're looking for that family. They're looking for that person to connect with. And Dan, you're right. I mean, just talking to somebody. We often think big ministry, it's got to be, you know, we got to pack up the airplane to fly to Africa and do this big, big thing. Right. When it may just be talking to somebody just for a few seconds, the impact that that has on somebody's life could be amazing. Yeah. 
So as you said earlier, there are a lot of ska undertones in your music, which I really appreciate. I hear a lot of the mighty boss tones in some of your songs. What uh, influenced you to keep the ska undertones in your music? So our guitarist uh, vocalist, Mike Alvarez, he is a huge ska fan. Um, I actually was never really a ska fan, but I'm kind of getting drawn to it just because of what Mike's been exposing us to. But he also has a big punk background, too. And he loves the 90s, and so a lot of his influences are like the Rancid, the Real Big Fish, the Aquabats. His favorite band is the Aquabats. So Mike is definitely our ska buff, and Chris and I are just kind of along for the ride, but we really do enjoy it because it's something new for us and kind of challenging to play to. One of the songs that really has some deep ska undertones to it is your song, Coming Home, Tell the Saints. When I listen to that song, it makes me smile. It's infectious, it, and it just sticks in my head. Just yesterday, I was walking around, and it was just going through my head because I've been listening to it, preparing for today's edition. Can you tell us a little bit about that song? Yeah, that's actually one of the only songs. A lot of the other songs are about breakups and um, relationships, but Coming Home is actually one of our more serious songs. Um, Mike was saying he wrote the lyrics. He just wanted a song that was you know, hopeful for the future and something that was kind of set apart from the typical breakup songs that we were used to doing in the past. But you're right, definitely that probably is, as of now, probably our more Scottish song of them all. And um, it's definitely all three of our favorites. We love to play it live. And we even did a uh, music video single for it on YouTube. You know, you might not have thought of it this way, but really that is a breakup song. <laughs> I'm breaking up with the world. I'm going home. <laughs> you know, there are just some days, you know, I think today might be one of them for me. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like, you know what? This world is not the greatest place to be in. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather be I'd rather be somewhere else. You know, there is Glenn's a had a rough one. It's been a so. real rough couple days. So here is Good Luck Ugly and Coming Home Tell the Saints.
Tell the saints that we are coming home Fight the battle, war is won The day has come, our task is done Tell the saints that we are coming home Tell the saints that we are coming home Tell the saints that we are coming home Fight the battle, war is won The day has come, our task is done Tell the saints that we are coming home We are coming Whoa, 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 So Eric, what advice would you give to aspiring Christian artists in the counterculture scene today? Um, I would say if there's a couple things I've learned after, you know, 25 years in the music industry, I would say it takes three things to be a successful Christian artist. I think you need to have a good product. You got to write good songs, you got to write good lyrics, something that people are going to remember, something that people want to sing along to at shows. Um, you have to be motivated. You know, if you're tempted to kind of take a break or take a break from the music scene for a while, you, you're going to lose your contacts and your relationships, and it's super hard to, to get back in. So you have to stay motivated. And I think you constantly have to reach out to people, whether it's booking agents or your friends and family or management or venues, because in the beginning stages, they're not going to come find you. So if you're missing one of those thing, things, like if you have a super awesome, if you're a super talented musician, but you're not motivated, I don't think you're going to go anywhere. So I'd say make sure you have good songs, stay motivated, and always reach out to people, and hopefully you'll find someone that will want to you know, invest with you and take you to the next level. That's a really important point, and I want to highlight that for our listeners because we have a good number of listeners that are in the counterculture scene. And as you know, we're over here in Charleston, South Carolina, where the music scene is just as divided as the church scene is here in, oh, in yeah. Charleston, South Carolina. Everybody just wants to do their own thing, and they think they can just do it by themselves. Well, I'm just going to set up, and then all of a sudden, success is going to happen, or God's going to bless me, and I'm just going to set up, and I don't need anybody else. And what I've been learning, especially as Dan and I have been doing the Get Real podcast and we've been ministering through Lithos Cry, is that is not really the case at all, as you were just saying, is it really takes relationship. And one of the things that I've been learning, and Eric, you probably noticed this as well, as you reach out and you connect with all of those different people, God works different things in you at the same time and how to relate to people, how to minister to people, and you find out the impact that you have on their lives just in doing those connections and just regular business of getting things done. Something as simple as maybe getting a photograph done for a CD or something like that. You impact their life, they impact yours, and everybody grows in the process. It's not something that you can do by yourself at all. And I think that's really a deception, especially in the counterculture scene where there's a lot of thought of, well, we don't need the establishment. We're just going to do it ourselves. And there comes this time where you have to learn how to live in the world, but not be of the world. Because all of those things that are in the world, those relationships, those systems and everything like that, that's not what it's about. But God put those there for us to use and to connect with so that we can get the message out through art. Yeah. So your song Evaluate Me from the album Side Hugs and Backstabs, 
I really believe that speaks to the people who don't just give in to groupthink, who are part of counterculture, who march to the beat of their own drum. And it has to do with being judged. Were there any instances in your lives that inspired this particular song? Yeah, so Mike, the um, singer-guitar player, wrote this song in 2006, and he was inspired to write this song because of some experiences he was having in high school. Um, you know, kind of wondering why maybe certain people would acknowledge him and certain people would not. And so he ended up just writing a song like, hey, I want to know why. You know, I think one thing we can learn from this song is it's okay to engage with someone. If you suspect someone is, you know, making a rash judgment about yourself or one of your actions, it's okay to maybe approach them and investigate a little bit. Hey, how's it going? My name's Mike. I saw, you know, you made this judgment or whatever. Let's talk about it. So I think the solution would be to really discuss and engage with the person, assuming they're open to it. That's a really good point. Again, it goes down to the connection and the relationship with people. Yeah. Often, oftentimes people, they'll be like, well, they judged me, so I'm not going to talk to them. Yeah. And there's no right. discourse and no dialogue. We really don't know how to communicate with each other.
so Eric, most of your live gigs that you've played, from what I understand, have been in California. Tell us about some of the shows that you've played and if there are any plans to travel outside of the borders of California in the near future. Um, yeah, so with Makeshift 3, we kind of toured the country, but with Good Luck Ugly, we've stayed in California. I think the difference is with Makeshift 3, we were all single. Our schedules were very flexible. Um, you know, we were very hungry to make things happen. With Good Luck Ugly, we're all married, we have our careers, we all have kids, and so just logistically, it's a bit of a challenge, you know, hey, let's go on tour for three months. It's it's definitely a challenge with the careers and the families, but we are willing to travel a little bit, do mini tours, you know, say to, you know, surrounding states, maybe for a weekend, and then um, we also have to kind of cater to whichever member has the least flexible schedule. So Mike, our guitar player, has summers off, has winters off, and works Monday through Friday. So, you know, many tours on weekends and then maybe traveling a bit further during the summers is definitely an option for us, um, and I think we're very open to it. I'm going to put an, an app there. Wherever summers and winters off are, yeah. I like that a whole lot. <laughs> That's cool. Are you guys working on any more projects in the studio right now? What can we expect from you guys in the near future? Yeah, right now we're writing um, our third album. It's definitely going to have a lot more ska to it, along with the pop punk that we're used to playing. And so we're actually hoping to release that later this year. Um, we've got about six or seven songs written. And um, yeah, looking forward to releasing that this year. Awesome. And how can our listeners find your music and how can they support you? Well, the good thing about the band name Good Luck Ugly is when you type it in Google or YouTube, we're pretty much the only thing that pops up. <laughs> yeah, there up, is. So. I, I noticed that. <laughs> A picture of your ex-girlfriend oh waving <laughs> is the other part just below it. Yeah, actually, that's another little hint I dropped to the aspiring Christian artists is whatever band name you're thinking, type it in Google and make sure nothing else comes up. So anyway, yeah, we're on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, we just released another music video um, two days ago on YouTube. So yeah, just type in Good Luck Ugly wherever you listen to music or watch videos and we are there. Thank you, Eric. Thank you so much for yeah, being man. on with it. us. Appreciate it. For our listeners, if you have any questions, reach out to us at lithoscry at gmail.com or you can check us out at lithoscry.com. lithoscry.com.